Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. I have some new info for you on one of the monthly bills you have coming in just a second. Also, I wanted to tell you there's a strong move in the United States about how we handle our money day to day that is very much to your advantage. And I want to fill you in that I don't want you to be a spectator as the market becomes more favorable to you. So one area that we tend to be creatures of habit is how we do our cell phones, who we're with, that the biggest decision we make is what cell phone we use, not what cell phone carrier we use. That I talk to people who've been with the two old line cell phone companies, AT&T or Verizon, for decades as the marketplace has moved towards a lot cheaper prices, people as, they're kind of like in a comfort zone, staying with AT&T or Verizon. And now T-Mobile has been around enough time. There are people who are creatures of habit with T-Mobile. So I wanted to tell you we have just completed an update of what are the best cell phone plans for different situations that you have. So for someone who's just looking for basic service, not a lot of stuff, Tello is the cheapest cell phone plan in America. T-E-L-L-O. Never heard of them, right? Well, there are a bunch of what are called MVNOs, Mobile Virtual Network Operators. In English, what that means is they don't own their own towers. They're simply selling you service that they bought wholesale from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, and they make the service available with the pattern of use they feel they can make money from. So somebody who's just looking for inexpensive dial tone, if you will, Tello is our favorite. It's $7.5 a month for the first six months, and then after that it goes to 10 a month. That's cheap. And we've got a review that explains what you get with Tello Economy. But what if you want unlimited Mint Mobile that does all those cutesy ads on TV, Mint Mobile really is a deal. It truly is. It works out to be $30 a month for an individual for an unlimited data plan with a cap before they start network prioritizing you, slowing you down. It's the highest data cap among any of the cheap, supposedly, pretend unlimited plans because if they're truly unlimited there is no cap 
Now, for that, if you want a plan that you can use all the high-speed data you want completely unlimited, it's really expensive. T-Mobile offers that. They call Magenta Max. It's perfect for somebody who travels for work all the time and is using data all the time. But it's a fortune. It's $85 a month. That's some serious money for one cell phone line. On the other hand, let's say you've got a bunch of people you want to have on a plan. Visible, which is Verizon's discount brand, remains the best deal in the marketplace. Visible does this crazy, goofy thing where you can get together a group of friends or strangers or whoever. You get four people together. Each of you pay $25 a month for Verizon service, unlimited talk, text, and data till they network prioritize you. $25 a month. That includes all junk fees. Straight $25. Come up with four people. If you go to a Verizon store, they don't know what you're talking about. You have to buy it direct from visible.com. And on our brand new revised cell phone guide, you'll see that. I've been asked over the years, why don't I talk about consumer cellular? Why don't I talk about them? They're awesome. And they are. And their plans are the best plans for seniors, senior citizens who want to use a moderate amount of data. Because if you're an AARP member, you get deals with Consumer Cellular. Consumer Reports says it's the best customer service of any cell phone company, period. That Consumer Cellular is the best. So what happens if you need hotspot? You need a lot of hotspot. The best deal on that is from a company that is becoming invisible in the marketplace boost remember boost mobile yeah they're still there they're owned by charlie ergen dish network now they used to be owned by sprint they have a hot spot 60 bucks a month what makes it unusual is how much mobile hotspot data they give you definitely by far the most of anybody the network would have to work for you this is just a highlight of what we've got on our new cell phone plan guide that walks you through who's best for you. Not these lists that say, the best this, the best that, the best the other. No, we're trying to dial it down, bad pun, to <laughs> your particular needs for calling, network, and data. And trying to get that price down for you. So here's a guarantee for you. If you've been with AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile forever, and you've not gone and shopped your service elsewhere, whether you're an individual, you're a couple, you're a family, if you haven't gone and shopped, you're missing the bargains in the marketplace. By the way, although the best cell phone plan for a single individual who's a senior citizen, is with Consumer Cellular. For a couple, the best cell phone plan when you're 55 or over is with, you know, Krista? No. 
T-Mobile. Ah. 55 plus plans are something else. But anyway, we've got it all broken down for you by uh, cheapest plan, cheapest unlimited, best unlimited, best multi-line, and on and on and on for you to be able to make the right choice with your wallet to stretch every dollar. And in concert with the just-completed Olympics, (laughs) we have issued medals, gold medals, silver medals, and bronze medals in each category to make it easy and clear for you to see the best way for you to stretch every dollar. Krista? I love it. Okay, this is from David in North Carolina. My wife and I locked in at 2.5% refinance rate a couple of weeks ago for a 15-year fixed mortgage. I listened to your episode on interest rates and saw that I could get an even more competitive rate, and I'm having some remorse on locking in at 2.5%. Is it possible to back out without penalty and start the process over? So, David, whatever application fees you've paid, you walk away from those. Some lenders, though, give you a one-time float down. So you would want to call the salesperson or whoever you're dealing with at the mortgage lender and see if they do offer a one-time float down. What that means in English is you're locked in at your 2.5%, but if rates have dropped to 2 or 2 and an eighth or 1 and 7 eighths, whatever it is that the 15 years have dropped to, that if they allow the one-time float down, you're able to do that at no cost. So, yes, you can back out. The only penalty you face is whatever application fee you've paid to this point. And you could start over, and often the savings are more than enough for it to be worth it for you to do that, even if you do have to walk away from your application fees. This is from Robert in Washington. You speak often speak about how bad Zelle is for transferring money and that Venmo and some others are better, but I've not heard you say exactly why Zelle is so bad. It seems that none of these platforms have protections for the consumer should fraud occur, so it's not clear to me what makes one better over the other. Can you clarify? Sure. And Robert, you said it just right. Let's see exactly what you said. It seems none of these platforms have protections for the consumer should fraud occur. You are correct. So when I talk about uh, Venmo, Cash App, Zelle, any of these forms of transferring money, they all lack adequate consumer protections under law. So the risk of losing money are so extreme. The reason Zelle has proven to be more dangerous, and if you look online, you'll see all the horror stories with Zelle, a lot of the financial institutions are signing up their customers for Zelle without asking them. And if somebody's account gets hacked, they're able to transfer the money out via Zelle, and then the bank says, oh, no, those fraud protections, they don't exist because the money was taken through Zelle. So where normally if your account is hacked under federal law, you have zero liability. All your money has to be made whole by the bank. On the other hand, somebody gets your uh, username and sign in, and instead of trying to wire money out or anything like that, they use the Zelle platform. The nation's banks stab you in the back by saying, oh, none of those protections exist. Now, I know we had the Zelle PR people contact us. It was a good while back. 
who were very unhappy that I pound sell all the time. But the reality is, if you really think your platform's okay, why don't you come up with real consumer protections for people and go to the members of the House and Senate that you spend so much dirty money lobbying all the time at the banks? Why don't you go to them and say, you know what, it'd be really great if you put in place legal protections to protect people who use our payment platform, Zelle, or the third-party competitors like Venmo and Cash App. And then let us all go at it in the marketplace, but the consumer is safe and protected. You know, the situation with these payment apps is so dangerous to your wallet. That's why I always say, set up a separate bank account if you want to use these. That's exactly what my wife and I did so that if our account is hacked, if anything happens, all we face is the loss of the funds we have there just for the purpose of using, in our case, Venmo. And so if somebody uh, commits a fraud act, an act of fraud, gets to our account, runs off with the money, we've lost that, but we haven't lost the money we need to run our lives. So Zelle was a creature the banks invented because they were upset, they were afraid that the marketplace was moving away from them with Cash App and Venmo. But let me tell you, Cash App and Venmo aren't good guys either when it comes to this issue of protection. The problem with Zelle is it gets to the heart of the architecture of your bank account, and that's where the risk is so bad ugly. And speaking of ripoffs, the good news is that business that I always pick on, the banks that get up every day trying to figure out how to rip (laughs) us off, the financial situation is getting more and more competitive, and that is awesome. I want to talk to you about it straight ahead. The reality is now you only get ripped off by a bank if you allow them to rip you off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We have an industry in the United States that is so stuck in its ways, and that is our nation's banks. And it's funny because it's not just the United States. When people are surveyed in other Western countries, they hate their banks too. It's just part of the culture of banking. Banks are risk-averse and not that willing to change. But the great news 
is the marketplace is bringing about a lot of new competition. And there's a, uh, there's a story I saw recently talking about why all the banks use one-word names like entertainers that, and musicians that go by a single name. And this is about making somebody handling your money feel approachable, personal. And the thing is, all these one names in the financial business, whether they use a human's name or they just use a one word name, it's all about creating a different kind of relationship, an industry that historically has been cold as ice towards its customers, that you create a different kind of feel, a different kind of vibe of a warmer personal connection, which is funny because how with an app on your phone are you feeling a personal connection? Well, my thing is the personal connection comes on how they treat you when the chips are down. You know, the giant monster mega banks live on gouging you with fees. There's even a bank industry publication that is an internal one for banks that talks about different strategies banks have used to rip off their customers with new fees for this, new fees for that, new fees for the other. And so this is an industry that at its core is about extracting ransoms from you. So I want you to know that it's up to you because now you've got the choice all over the place. You've got credit unions owned by their members instead of being there to generate profits for the stockholders. You've got these online banks and the fintechs that are all about saying, we know you hate this, 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 and this, and this, and this about banks. We don't do any of that. And so that's how change comes about. Change always comes from outside, not from inside. People that are doing what they do keep doing what they do because that's what was comfortable for them. And it's worked fine for them because people historically have been very reluctant to change financial institutions. But, you know, I haven't used a traditional bank in 15, 20 years. I think that's about that long. So I have two credit unions that I'm a member of, and I do my principal banking with a stockbroker with Charles Schwab. Fidelity Investments going all the way back to, I think, 1979, maybe the year they did it, started offering fee-free checking accounts that paid interest when interest really mattered. And one time I remember Fidelity, when we were having high inflation in the United States, was paying 17% interest on people's checking accounts, what they called at that time cash management accounts. So know that you have alternatives, and it's really up to you and me when we're suffering from bank abuse, which is what it is when you're with a traditional bank, to stop the abuse and take the time, even if you got to set up new bill pay and new direct deposit and all that stuff, take the time and do it so that you are the boss. You're driving this thing. You're not just a passenger in a vehicle the bank is driving and charging you a fortune for it. Uh, you're even going to see more and more retailers 
being involved with their own form of banking. You know, Walmart's been making noises about it for a while. Uh, I even read recently Walgreens is going to get involved in being the equivalent of a bank for its customers. So you're going to have a variety of options that will eliminate things like overdraft fees, minimum balance fees, breathing fees, talking fees, whatever fees. Now, I can say all that, but I do want to say this about the fintechs. So fintechs come and go. You know, and you'll have one that you'll even hear me talk about, well, well, there's this blah, 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 and they've got this, this, and this, and this. And then I have to say a year later or two years later, well, they're shutting that down now. That's normal business. That is all about the innovation that's going on in the financial sector. As long as your account is FDIC insured, credit union NCUA insured, you're good. You're fine. And so if one of them decides, you know what, this really isn't working for us, and they shut it down, you got to take your money somewhere else. And we've seen that over and over again over the years. I remember back when I used to talk um, at least 15 years ago about ING Direct. ING Direct. It was a, uh, they were really uh, version 0.1, I guess, of the era we are moving into for banking, where they were offering bonafide, much better deals than we had been used to with traditional banks. So the more you're willing, and you know, people who are coming of age now, this is what they're doing. But if you are older and you've been stuck with whatever crummy bank you're with and you've been with that crummy bank for years and you know they're crummy and you know they treat you bad and when you have a problem, they're not there for you, why are you doing this to yourself? Resolve that you're going to make the change and find a local credit union. Find I used to talk about going to community banks. They're almost non-existent now. Go to a credit union, go to um, an online bank, go to a fintech, and start using them for your banking-type things because all you're going to do is save money and avoid the rip-offs. And Krista, with that having been said, let's take some questions all right. And, uh, you know, one time I was invited to a banking convention mm. years ago because, you know, I would pound the banks all the time. And you know me, I'm willing to talk to anybody. Sure. So I, I go there, wouldn't take their money, but I, you know, because they wanted to pay me a speaker's fee, wouldn't take it. But I go to talk to them. It was something. There was screaming going on mm. at me from people. And, and I love it because it meant they were passionate and that they cared about the bank they were with. And I was happy to see that. But, oh, what an industry. It needs a lot of change to take place. Okay, let's get to some of these questions. Raymond in Ohio says, what is Clark's take on insurance apps that track driving habits in exchange for lower insurance costs? So, interesting thing, Raymond, that's a trade-off. And you really have to know your driving, how much you're driving. Some of the apps are sophisticated enough they take into account what road you're on and all that. I think that trade-off is, has a lot of negative to it. So I'm much more excited about an insurance startup that's only available in, I think, six states. Mile Auto, which I talked about recently, and I'm looking now to see what states they're in so far. 
But what they do is they, they only charge you based on the number of miles that you drive. They're not doing any of the stuff like, oh, you drive dangerously or you drive on this road or that road or the other one. And they say that the number one indicator, other than your historical driving patterns, they charge you a base rate for that, is how many miles you drive. So they don't need to know everything about how you drive. Right now, they are available in Arizona, Oregon, Illinois, and Georgia, but they say they're going to do a bunch of others. And there are many different of these programs where you pay by the mile, but most everybody else also adjusts based on what they perceive your driving to be like, how quickly you start, how quickly you stop, uh, what roads you're on, that kind of stuff, that they've gone deep into your personal privacy. So I like the mile auto concept more because they, to my knowledge, they are the only one that the only factor they consider is how many miles you drive. And hopefully I'm right that this works and it expands around the country and they take market share. Okay. And Mark in Georgia recently purchased a car for my 16-year-old daughter. The car needed the front grille replaced. I took it to a mechanic. The mechanic discovered that the front end of the vehicle was being held together by zip ties and sheetrock oh, screws. Man. This was never disclosed to me. It will cost around $2,000 to fix it properly. Can you suggest what I should do next, please? Mark, this is a sad fact that in the used vehicle market in the United States, with almost no exceptions, you buy used cars as is. Even the sticker on the car says that any verbal promise by a salesperson or a manager means nothing. That you buy a car in the condition it's in. The car doesn't even have to start. So you had somebody who sold you a piece of trash, and unfortunately, you're the one stuck with the cost of those repairs. It's why I say always, Mark, you want to have any used vehicle you're buying inspected by a mechanic of your choosing as a condition of purchase, because a mechanic would have found that almost certainly up front. And you would have avoided buying something that is being held together by zip ties and sheetrock screws. So uh, this is a terrible event. And the salesperson who sold this to you, knowing it was for a teenager, a new driver, I hope he or she is really proud of himself or herself for being such a rotten, terrible human being who would put a teenager in this kind of danger and that's just absolutely ridiculous but the law is on the side of used car dealers to misrepresent and sell vehicles in any condition and you're stuck with the consequences that's why any used vehicle you buy ever forward you gotta have it inspected and from Mohan in Illinois, is the in the current market trend for automobiles, is it better to lease a BMW or finance a pre-owned certified BMW? So 
the only part of the marketplace that leasing can make sense is in luxury vehicles like a BMW. Particularly the European luxury brands subsidize their leases. They don't want to have their vehicles on sale, so they do it by hiding a discount in the lease itself. But the lease has to be a manufacturer's lease, not a third-party lease for you to potentially get a deal. But when I say deal, you're paying for the depreciation of that BMW buying it new. It is better for you to buy a BMW that you would own longer term rather than a two or three year lease that you buy a used one and drive it for many years moving forward. And BMWs are very expensive to repair. So buying one that is a BMW manufacturer certified pre-owned that comes with the BMW backing of it for a meaningful period of time would generally make more sense. But um, if you're someone who likes to cycle through new vehicles all the time, then in that circumstance, leasing a luxury car is just fine versus buying one. And from Pat in Missouri, my husband and I are avid listeners and love the new podcast format. I remember a few years ago, your brother and his spouse sold their home and were traveling via Airbnb and VRBO, visiting places as they wanted. I'm retired and my husband is due to retire in late 22 or 23. We need to downsize. Our home is beautiful, but too expensive to keep or maintain into retirement. My husband is a fan of selling our home, putting everything in storage, and taking a period of time to travel around the states, enjoying different parts of the country for a few months at a time until we decide we want to settle and purchase a townhome or condo. The concern with that plan is that the costs and fees might break the bank and I might get homesick. The other choice would be to sell our house next year sometime, purchase our retirement home, and then go exploring every two months or so, and then when we're done, return to our home to settle back into a routine. Any ideas or advice? So my brother Gary and my sister-in-law Deborah traveled for, I guess it was four and a half years until it wasn't fun anymore. And what they were able to do, because they sold their home and they sold most of their possessions and reduced their life for traveling down to five suitcases as they traveled the world for those years because they had no housing cost for a permanent location. They had all that money to play with for places they rented over time. And the way they decided where they went, they did mostly international travel, Pat, is they would go wherever in the world there was a deal. Like one day I saw a great deal to Japan. And so they... They went to Japan and lived there for three months and rented places in different parts of Japan. And then later on, there was a deal to Ireland. They did that twice, where they went to Ireland for extensive periods of time. Another time, they went to Italy and Sicily and lived in Italy and Sicily for several months. And uh, they went to Australia for an extended period of time. And so they just, uh, every time there was a bargain somewhere, that established where they ended up going. And so they had a budget based on what housing had been before, plus an amount for food, and the travel was virtually nothing because they were going places for long periods of time and only going where they found a deal. And so the key that made it work for them is, I hate to say it, doing what your husband has suggested, 
and that sell your home, put your stuff in storage, have only the cost for the storage facility, no housing cost other than what it costs where you go, that's what made the economics work for them. Psychologically, it may be, you may feel too much like a nomad not having a place. But if you do your plan and you buy a home and then you leave it months at a time, you're paying for it and its upkeep and also paying for wherever you're putting your head on a pillow each night while you travel. So don't know how you're going to make that whole decision. And I want to thank you for joining us. Please visit Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com for more money-saving advice you can trust.